0: This is Sam.
1: Sam, uh, Mr. Saxton. yes, this is Professor Joff de uh, I wanted to give you a call and let you know I've finished my first round of research with Enid.
0: Oh, I thought we got quite a few stories. You got even more?
1: Oh, yes, yes. Well, those stories were, of course, Legends of the Town. I, uh, I've done quite a bit of digging on the ghost stories of Enid.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm rather curious to hear them. You want to meet up at the studio someplace?
1: Oh, yes, that is very doable.
0: All right, then. I'll see you there. Hello, I'm Sam Saxon.
1: I'm Professor Joff de Root,
0: And you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we explore ghost stories and urban legends.
1: This episode of Tales Unveiled is sponsored by Oki Comics. For another unique exploration of Oklahoma stories in comic book form, check out okiecomics.com. That's O K I E comics.com
0: all right professor what did you uncover about enan
1: well there's uh certainly no shortage of ghost stories so from our previous discussions they had a, a very vibrant history which as i suspected all of that energy of course seems to linger And we have uh, quite a few tales, uh, especially about the old Phillips University.
0: What's this tale about the old Phillips University? So,
1: which um, there have been numerous universities around Oklahoma that, uh, as higher education continues to evolve, are changing things. And Phillips University used to be uh, the Disciples of Christ University for the state. Okay. Yeah, it was on for almost a century, they said, of 1906 to 1998.
0: So, what's so creepy about this university?
1: As we've seen with numerous college towns, uh, people come there in the most vivacious stage of life, and something about that lingers behind. Uh, Apparently, they seem to linger most in the old dormitory halls.
0: What kind of lingering are you talking about?
1: Uh, Very distinct. So, the first is Clay Hall. uh, Very nice, yellow brick, uh, kind of unmistakably Americana 1930s building. And it's notorious for its EVPs. People have heard numerous sounds.
0: Like what kind of sounds?
1: Musical sounds. Hmm. Yeah, they say that uh, time and time again, people will hear pianos playing in the middle of the night.
0: Was this school known for its musical program?
1: Of course, it was a center of culture for the entire region. And I guess enough that people are still practicing. Uh, One of the security guards said that he heard a woman's voice uh, singing which he assumed was of course just a prankster and searched the entire building and could find nothing. Hmm. Across the campus other people have claimed to have actually seen something.
0: Seen like what?
1: Uh just an average student dressed as if it would be the 1940s or 50s, you know, a little bit more proper than the t-shirts and jeans that we see today around campuses.
0: Yeah, something from that time period would definitely stand out today's. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, just these uh repeating images over and over again. Uh, often at night, which of course the security guards uh, uh unfortunately have to deal with, but they'll see these people walking and go up to investigate and uh the people will ignore them until they vanish.
0: Hmm. Sounds like a rough job to be a security guard there.
1: Yes, but you'll never have a shortage of stories.
0: No, I guess not. What other stories have you uncovered about Enid?
1: Well, speaking of centers of education, uh Longfellow Middle School is apparently very haunted.
0: Haunted with what?
1: Uh, they don't exactly know. Uh, according to legend, there was an explosion in the second floor chemistry room, which uh, can be heard to this day. Uh, residual sound, which you don't often hear about outside of uh, Taos or uh, some of the castles in Ireland or different parts of the United Kingdom. Hmm. But,
0: I, I thought residual sounds might be more common or something.
1: Uh, perhaps we overlook them on a daily basis, but it's hard to overlook something like an explosion.
0: Yeah, that is hard to overlook.
1: So uh, whether that is true or not, uh, apparently something lingers with that. They claim routinely to hear the sounds of footsteps, uh, typically at night. Once again, those poor night watchmen hearing these sounds and going to investigate and finding nothing.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: but not just during the night. Uh, time and again, uh, doors will open, uh, people will turn and look, and nobody will come in. That's odd. Very odd and must be disconcerting to the secretaries as well. Not to mention, of course, uh, classroom interruptions.
0: Yeah, that would be quite the distraction.
1: Although with cell phones today, I'm not sure they'd even pay attention.
0: (laughs) Anyone caught anything on the cell phone?
1: Uh, No visual representation, but a lot of stories. Many people have been interviewed about seeing these things, and um, of course students are very excited about having a haunted school.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the cool thing. On the subject of schools, any other schools in Enid have stories?
1: Uh, The Enid High Auditorium has a big series of uh, poltergeist activity and hearing noises and so forth, which the legend is that it was built on an ancient Indian burial ground.
0: Well, that is Oklahoma.
1: Right, which of course there are thousands of years of Native American history here, but uh, I don't know about that region. Although they do say that with the natural springs at Government Springs Park that uh, people would congregate there, so of course makes sense that with uh, populations moving through there would have to be a cemetery somewhere so perhaps there
0: Hmm. and what sort of activities here again
1: well uh, they say that they'll uh, hear people walking up and down the aisles Uh, they'll hear uh, seats unfolding and folding themselves Uh, doors of course opening and shutting lights turning on and off all this uh, kind of just curious activity which some people say these are the actions of curses, but since it is of course a theater, and every other theater we've seen obviously has its spirit connections, I don't know. So the auditorium is a very beautiful structure, and of course the much of the local history of Enid is a mystery to the past 150 years. Uh, maybe there could be some truth to that. Getting to more recent history, uh, we do, of course, have the old Masonic Temple. What's there? So Enid, uh, like many places in Oklahoma, actually did very well through uh, the 1920s when uh, crop prices were low, but oil prices were high, and people were moving out of the agrarian areas into the towns themselves, and men's clubs like the Masonics uh, would surge. And so Enid has a, a very classy uh, kind of almost porcelain building, multiple stories tall, standing out for its old Masonic temple.
0: And what's this temple now? Is uh, it still the temple?
1: Uh, no, the Masons actually closed up there in 1946. Nobody's exactly sure why. Um, Masonry had kind of died off toward the 20th century, but uh, it seemed rather abrupt. And so some people have some suspicions. But whatever the story was, uh, the person who owned the building held on to it and refused to sell it for, for anything things until long after he passed, Nonetheless, they said that uh, even with the bottom two floors being open for uh, different offices and, and sales, the upper floors from time to time would have the lights on in the middle of the night. Okay. Yeah, which, of course, you could say, well, maybe he's hiding something up there. Uh, but apparently, no, they, the police would actually be called and say, hey, the lights are on. And here, go investigate. And, and the police would find nothing. And apparently, something uh, was up there. And I guess that could be George.
0: Who's George?
1: Uh, the symphony orchestra's conductor recounted a story of actually seeing a, a gentleman. They called him George because that's what it said on his name tag. Oh,
0: well, that's pretty obvious.
1: Yeah. Uh, a very useful ghost in that information, at least. Um, The story goes that Doug Newell, uh, their conductor, uh, was working late in the building and as he was leaving saw a man coming down the stairs. Uh, Vividly enough he could describe him. He was a short man, gray hair, uh, wearing blue coveralls with George inscribed as uh, uh, embroidery on the pocket. Uh, He even had a a partially chewed cigar in his mouth. Okay. Yeah, so which of course he'd never seen him before and reached out and said hello and, and George ignored him. Just went on down the stairs and The conductor thought this was a little strange and decided to go see what else he could find out. Followed him down, and no one was there. The stairs were empty. So he figured he may have gone out and went and tested all the doors, and they were all locked from the inside. Nowhere to go? Nowhere to go. Which apparently is George's story. Uh, According to Enid Legend, this George was the elevator repairman who, uh, there in the 1940s, slipped and fell down the elevator shaft and is now remaining in the building. They say that to this day, the elevator constantly breaks down, so perhaps that's why George is still there, still trying to keep it running.
0: Next time I'm there, I think I will take the stairs. Could use the steps anyway. <laughs> Indeed. What stories you got about downtown Edith?
1: Uh, well, on the northeast side, we have the the new Leonardo's Discovery Warehouse. Uh, I guess it isn't that new. It's a couple of decades old now, but a uh, big... Arts program it does lots of summer camps for kids next door to the uh, Adventure Plex they built with wooden and spaceships and all kinds of fun things.
0: It looks a lot like fun.
1: Uh, apparently, though, it has a much darker history. Really? Yeah. The story goes that in the Alton building, which is uh, kind of the new annex for the Discovery Warehouse, that the building owner at one point had hanged himself. And apparently he's still there. Uh, often with these very tragic events, uh, very highly emotionally charged, you get that residual energy and things act up. Hmm.
0: What sort of things have acted up over there?
1: Well, it's been going on for years, even back when the Gaslight Theater was there, which, once again, of course, theaters. Uh, but this seemed to have a direct connection. They said that uh, doors would open and close themselves, which you could argue, of course, well, a door opening or closing. That's could just be the building settling or... or something set wrong and its hinges and gravity caught it but to do both is very strange hmm. footsteps once again somebody walking up and down the aisles uh, different knocking sounds uh, things falling over in the middle of the night when nothing should have knocked them over
0: curious indeed
1: very true and of course it's still apparently going on uh, they say they're at the discovery warehouse from time to time um, things will be scattered around or something will fall over just out of the corner of your eye hmm. perhaps time to burn some sage of course, outside of the paranormal investigation, they do have a ghost sign out front. What's
0: a ghost sign.
1: Well, like many of the buildings around here, uh, such as those in Bricktown, uh, they would be constructed out of brick as a cheap and durable material, and rather than you know buying a new billboard, you just paint directly onto the f- brick face of the building. And so in big letters, Mr. Alton painted Alton. Since brick is very porous, uh, the paint will bleed through, and then even through the years of it uh, being arguably power-washed off, uh, that paint will bleed back and so you get a ghost sign this reappearance of what was once there oh that's cool yeah it's a good good representation of the of uh, kind of physical things we can leave behind as yeah. well as
0: you yeah, know you mentioned that I, I, i've seen several of those in guthrie and ricktown
1: for sure which it's just science mm, yeah
0: exactly but it just sounds kind of creepy with the name ghost sign i was <laughs> thinking you're gonna tell me something else like oh no no okay yeah i know about those yeah
1: yeah. Well, of course, there is the ghost light. The ghost light. What's the ghost light? Well, a few miles outside of town, over in Imo, uh, the cemetery there for uh, uh, pretty much ghost town at this point uh, is famous for its ghost light, much like the, that out in extreme northeastern Oklahoma.
0: And what's the? Does this ghost light do? Does it do the same thing?
1: Very much. Yeah. You see it from a distance, and as you approach, it disappears.
0: Does this one have any stories of, like, actually, like, flying into people's cars, like the spook light does?
1: No, it seems to hang specifically over the graves themselves.
0: Yeah. And have people have tried to, like, catch this or anything? Or is it, like, maybe, like, an actual light or something?
1: Well, there has been a lot of video evidence recently, which uh, there have been several different paranormal investigation teams uh, arguing on both sides of the controversy. Uh, some groups say that there's a clear explanation for it from the uh, street light that stands just on the other side of the road, which you know catches some of the reflective surfaces of the graves, and you can see this light. And then, of course, as you approach, it vanishes. Yeah, I see that. Uh, but the others talk about earlier examples, uh, or times when the light's been out, that it's still been appearing. Mm. Uh, one fellow was talking about uh, uh, feeling a great deal of insult that, being told it was just the streetlight when his grandfather had told him the story that it w- was going on in the 1930s before a streetlight was even installed.
0: Well, that does certainly add a different counterpoint to that.
1: Yeah, it, is a, it is definitely a controversy, so we'll have to do further investigation to see what we might find. Maybe we can smash that light out some- <clears throat> Maybe during a blackout sometime we can do an investigation.
0: So, Professor, did you happen to learn anything, perhaps more detailed versions of any of the Tombstone Tales stories?
1: I did hear a legend about uh, Robert Lee Owens.
0: That was the little boy in the lake, right?
1: Yes, the one who drowned, uh, saving his friend. I did happen to record a clip
0: of this story from our time at the Tombstone Tales event, but I didn't include it in our previous episode on Eden, so I will play that clip for you here now.
2: We were just nine years old. 1963, January, the two of us decided to go ice skating on the pond at Government Springs Park. The ice was thin, we didn't know it, and we made it 35 feet out before the ice broke and I plunged through. I screamed for help, for Robert, but Robert couldn't swim. There wasn't much he could do, but he had to do something. So he reached out to me, and in the confusion, he was pulled in as well. Now we both knew we were about to die, but at nine years old, somehow, my friend had the presence of mind to know that maybe one of us didn't have to. So with all the strength that his tiny body could muster, Robert pushed me to the side. I grabbed on to the ice, and Robert slipped beneath the surface. I screamed for help, and an airman by the name of John Adams at the park decided to come over and help me. He pulled me out of the water, Gasping, I told him, Robert, he's still down there. I survived, barely, after a bout of pneumonia in the hospital. My friend Robert, not so lucky. But Robert was awarded the Carnegie Bronze Medal for heroism, and a plaque today at Government Springs Park honors his sacrifice. My friend, the nine-year-old, who gave his life so I could grow and talk to you today.
1: What more did you learn about that? Uh, Well, it's set at Government Springs Park, which is arguably the oldest thing in Enid. So it's a natural spring there, Government Springs. It was very popular um, among Plains Indians, would travel by and stop by. It has natural salt lakes nearby. And because it was very good for the buffalo herds, of course, it was very good for uh, the cattlemen coming through on the trails. Mm -hmm. And Government Springs Park was, uh, or Government Springs at that day, was the place to stop on the Chisholm Trail. Uh, you'd stay for quite a while before you'd hand, head up across the border into Kansas and do your final feeding before reaching Dodge City. As the city grew and they no longer needed it for uh, cattle stands, which you can still see the art today, uh, the silhouette iron uh, cutouts of uh, Native Americans watching and uh, cattle herds being moved through. But in its prime, uh, it was a swimming hole for the town. Oh, uh, fun. Yeah. yeah, before public swimming pools, uh, it was, and even after those days, it was a very popular natural. Sp- Uh, just to go swim in the lake. Talked to numerous older folks who said that they uh, remember many fond times swimming there. Uh, But of course 1963 changed all of that. Uh, Robert Lee Owens and his good friends, uh, they were out uh, ice skating and wasn't quite as frozen as would have been good and and one fell through. And he couldn't swim, which how could you swim in water that cold anyway? Um, Very selflessly, young Robert Owens went out, dove into the water and pulled his friend out, pushing him above while he kicked with his feet, trying to stay on. Eventually, their cries for help were heard, and an older gentleman came by and rescued them, and, and at least pulled the one out who was already on there. The uh, other boy, Robert Owens, who had not been in the ice water to begin with, chose to go in. I didn't come out. It wasn't until much later that they were able to recover his body. And the legend there is that uh, he's still protecting the pond. Uh, they, they, of course, closed it down for swimming uh, even by that time. Uh, of course, today it's clearly posted, no swimming, uh, don't really even approach the water, don't climb on the rocks near the spring, uh, all, all these safety features. But they say that uh, young Owens is there uh, who will push anyone who uh, ventures into the water to like protect him or something yeah they say that it uh, you can still feel his uh hands upon you uh, driving you toward the shore so supposedly uh teenagers will go out there from time to time to see if they can feel a ghost and dive in and of course the police like to keep an eye on the place to keep it safe but reportedly he'll uh, push your shoulders and and drive you out of the lake I still need to do a little bit of digging to see whether this is a residual, something just kind of emotionally imprinted, or perhaps maybe his entity is there, still looking over the lake.
0: You got any other stories about Enan?
1: Oh, uh, numerous. I've got a lead on a potential cult that had moved in and scared several farmers nearby.
0: That sounds like a story.
1: Yes, but you'll never know what you're going to find once you start talking to old-timers. Uh, there's always another legend. Uh, this fellow said that uh, the old uh, electrical box out there, of course, you know, one of the larger buildings from uh, the olden days of um, different electric grid that we have now. That um, he had been out there farming, and uh, they were about to finish up a field, and his coworker just shut off the tractor and started packing up. And he said, "Hey, you know, we, we've only got a you know, half hour more work. We could get this done." And he said, "No, it's sundown. I'm out." so that he said well why and he said well because of the cultists so the man related his story that a few years beforehand uh, there had been a, a group of uh, people living in rvs just moved in and rented a house together and uh, they had been discovered in one of those electrical boxes surrounded uh, surrounding a circle of candles all wearing black robes uh, which he at first had just seen a light and so he came to investigate and see what might be going on you know it's, people are always curious about what things change and he saw that his curiosity went too far. He he'd stumbled upon something he didn't want to see. And, and so he took off and reportedly never was out in the field after sundown again. Wonder
0: what he saw then?
1: Something strange, which... we we'll just have to keep digging to find the truth. Tales Unveiled is a production of the Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine. You want early access to new episodes from the series and others? Of course you do! Visit talesunveiled.com to find out how to become a patron supporter. This episode's advice comes from Christopher Reeves. A hero is an ordinary individual who finds strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles.